We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back. And I'm not talking about Irish Breakdown, Ryan. We're always back. We're always here. But we're back with the Friday free-for-all mailbag. I can just hear Vince, like, celebrating right now at, at Penn, just like, you know, just like some weird, like, thing went off in his head, like, oh, my gosh, I think it's that time. So we're we're back for Friday free-for-all mailbag. And so, obviously, this is going to be back for this week, next week. Then it'll be all gone the next week because it's the bowl game, and then we'll be back again. So, barring a bowl game happening, <laughs> Friday free for all mailbag is back until football season begins, Ryan. And I'm excited about it. I think this gives this is that time of year where people have a million questions and a lot of different things to talk about. And I'm looking forward to doing it. And this is kind of your first venture into this being a, a regular thing too, since it was a lot of events and us you would fill in last year. And so, you're going to now become a, a regular a regular contributor to the Friday free for all mailbag. I'm excited. And I mean, Brian, when we got in here, we already had like 40 comments in the queue, right? So people are, uh, they're excited for many different reasons. Maybe anxious might be another good word to use. There's a lot of emotions in the fan base mm-hmm. right now. If you couldn't tell by going to boards at irishbreakdown.com, but I am excited because there's a lot of great topics. I was already seeing in the queue. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of John fun. one. Is back. I haven't seen questions from John in a minute. I know he's been busy, oh. hasn't been able to in the live shows, but he did what he does on Friday Mailbag, which gave us a bunch, a bunch of great questions. So we'll mix those in with others. But yeah, a lot of great questions already, Ryan. Hey, look, they have the 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 cats in the chat have not have been asking about this. They've been missing this. So I was like, you know, I'm curious how they're going to be first show back. They are bringing their A game today, Ryan. They are yep. ready to rock and roll. So you ready to go, Ryan? Let's do it, man. You even have Let's a super it. chat already from uh, my guy, Ryan. He says, what is the latest with Jaden Lamar? So, Ryan, I, I put an update on the message board. And if you all want to check out sort of the latest with that, I would encourage you to to go check that out, Ryan. And, and we'll, we'll give a little bit of what's going on. We'll, we'll save some of the more details for the behind the scenes. But basically, Notre Dame canceled their in-home with uh, Jaden Lamar yesterday. I anticipate Jaden Lamar taking a official visit to Oregon this weekend, and we all know what that means, right? So we know Notre Dame's policy. That's not changing for anybody. They didn't change it for Peyton Bowen or Keon Keeley. They're not going to change it for Jaden Lamar. That's for sure. So 
barring him having a change of cl- a change of heart, I would expect him to go to visit Oregon this weekend. And uh, basically, Notre Dame said, "Okay, you got to do what you got to do, and we'll do what we got to do." So uh, at this point in time, that's kind of where things are trending for Notre Dame and Jade Lamar. And I mean, at this point, Ryan, I- I'm trying to think of how to say this. Jade Lamar's a good football player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of know my stance on him as a player. Well, He's a solid player. Yes. But I just I, – I, I'm good with Notre Dame taking two backs in this class. They wanted two backs. They were both two good backs. But once you kind of got Jeremiah Love and with what you – you know, you got Jabron Payne, who is a very similar player to Jaden Lamar, in my opinion. Yes. You know, we'll, we'll find out tonight if they're able to get Aeneas Williams. He's going to make his decision tonight. It's between Notre Dame, Alabama, Kentucky, and Tennessee. We'll go live for his decision at 7 o'clock tonight. I should probably talk – I should have probably mentioned – led with that. Also a very similar player, player to Jaden Lamar. This is – this one This one is um, – I, I don't know. If he – if, if Jaden Lamar wants to be in this class, I'm good with that. I think he's a good football player. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't want to be in this class, I'm good with that. They're fine. They're fine there. Uh, yeah. And this is the one kid that you and I have put on the message board for over a month that I was probably most concerned about flipping out of the class. So I'm not yeah. surprised by this. I mean, when you acquire that much talent at running back, I mean, again, to your point, I like Jane Lamar. Everybody knows I do as a player. We've talked about that. You're higher on him than I am. Definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, you've said it already, though. You have Jeremiah Love in this class. You have Jadarian Price coming back from injury to couple with Jabron Payne, who, who's a freshman this year. You couple that with Andre Gestime returning, Logan Diggs returning. Running back is not an issue. And if they get Aeneas Williams to, tonight for the 2024 class, then, I mean, the, the train keeps rolling, man. It is. Unfortunately, if a player doesn't want to be a part of it, I get it, but running back is definitely one of those positions right now on this roster that you can handle a decommitment at. So that's one of the positions that you're not as worried about. So leave it at that, I guess. That's the lace with Jade Lamar, Ryan. So uh, we can discuss it further on the message board if y'all would like. But um, this is one that I'm okay. And look, Notre Dame was going to have seven running backs on the roster next year. Five to me is the now. ideal number, right? <laughs> There's also, to me, I'm just going to be honest, Ryan. You 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 know that I believe this to be true and have felt this way for a while. Mm-hmm. There are some 2024 running backs on the board that I like better than Jade Lamar. Neus Williams being one, uh, Corey Smith. Smith being another. There's some, several backs I like more that Maybe I would have pre- I would have preferred to kind of spread out the two. They had back to back two man halls. Mm-hmm. I was they they decided they wanted two fine with that but I don't love taking two two and two in, in a row I'd say look Jeremiah Love is a dude he's a top hundred player borderline top fifty player I think we could argue that he's the way he played at the end of his senior year when they finally started kind of okay it's playoff time let's use him now which they didn't have yeah. to do all season I mean he he played like an elite player he played like a top fifty guy you know and mm-hmm. so I'm very curious to see how he stacks up at the at the Under Armour game just physically how he looks compared to some of those other guys we'll have John Garcia up there for that one but I would have I would have liked just roster building wise I would have preferred to see that now mm-hmm. with Brandon Hillman in the class if there a need arises in 2023 at running back that's why you recruit him. Right. I mean, that's the reality of it. If you have a need at receiver, he can play there. If you have a need at safety, he can play there. And that's, 
that's why you recruit that kid. Brandon Hillman's going to quickly become one of Notre Dame fans' favorite players, Brian. And and the coaching staff's favorite player could be like, oh, we're down a number. Come here, Brandon. Come here. <laughs> we need yeah. you today, man. Like, that's it's yeah. just funny. It's just funny to think about. I mean, but honestly, man, to your point, running back recruiting in 2023 has been a wild ride, hasn't it? It has mm-hmm. been wild. I mean, when I got hired, Cedric Irvin Jr. was the running back in this class. And then you were trying to figure out, is there going to be a two-man class? Who's that two-man class going to be? Jade Lamar comes on, but you know that the staff has their eyes firmly set for Jeremiah Love for several months, and he was their guy, like their guy guy, right? So it's been a wild ride in 2023 running back recruitment. Fortunately for everyone, we're less than a week away from signing day, only a few days away. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for this madness to be a little bit over for this. Month, Not gonna man. lie, I am too. <laughs> yeah. I am too. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. That's a, so, Ryan, thank you for that. I appreciate that. We did have another super chat down here, Ryan, that I need to go down and get here real quick. We got one from Wade Garrett. Wade says, just curious what both of your feelings are about our 23 class today than it was earlier this year. Thanks for all you uh, both do. Happy holidays. I thought he, mm-hmm. I think he phrased it interestingly, Ryan. I, I, I do. I mean, you could just say, what are your thoughts in the class? Okay. That's one thing, but what are your thoughts in the class relative to what we thought earlier in the year? That's a sure, obviously a different way of putting it. Well, if I want to start it off here, Brian, I would say this, I, there was a point not too long ago, but a few months ago now at this point where I thought Notre Dame had a legitimate chance to maybe have in the number one class in the 2023 cycle. I did. I mean, when they were, when they had a silent from from um, quarter Dante Moore, when they had Keon Keeley still in the class, when you saw the talent of Peyton Bowen and what he could be combined with the other guys that were on the board and a lot of them that are on the board now that were the key targets at the time, you thought that they had a legitimate chance to go top two to three in the class, if not fight for the number one recruiting class. I did. I would never steer away from that. What I think of it now is that it still has a chance to be a top five to six class, in my opinion, and still be a really good class. They're, they're, Can yes. I ask you a question, Ryan? Sure. When you say top five to six class, are you referring to what it's going to be in the rankings or what, what it's going to rank for other people? Okay. Oh, no, I, I, I think that no, there's I, just, a legit- I just wanted to be clear. I just wanted to be yeah. clear. 
Well, no, I, I think there's a legitimate argument that, and it's a great point, is that, I mean, Notre Dame still hit all their needs, right? right. It, w- w- did they miss out on a couple of elite players? Yeah, they yeah. did. There's no doubt about that. We can't yeah. argue that. But it's still a really good class, man. This is right. why I've been a slightly cranky on the message board, I guess, today, because I'm just like, guys, we're <laughs> – we're, we're, we're missing the, we're missing the big picture, right? Like a couple of players are making us miss the scope and, and we're fo- hyper-focusing on one to two guys instead of focusing on 24 plus other guys that are really good football players. So wait, it's a great question though. Cause in comparison, my, my vision for the class is different as far as what my expectation is, how it's going to finish. I'm still really excited about the class though. I am. Mm-hmm. I have not lost. That's why I'm a little frustrated. I posted a preview of Aeneas Williams that's picking between Notre Dame, Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky today, and it turns into a Peyton Bowen post. Right? Yeah, I'm that's going like, to end guys. like now. I put a post up on the board today. We're not going to have that. If 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 here's the deal: if recruiting is something where you don't care anymore, or you're upset because you think every good player they're going to get is going to flip at the end. Number one, that's factually inaccurate. Okay, they lost. They're going to lose what, four, five kids, right? And they had about 30 committed, right? 29, 30 committed at some point in time. So you have Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen, Elijah Page, Dylan Edwards, and Jay Lamar. So, yeah, but those are really good players. Yeah, because every kid in this class was a really good player, right? Brian, you, no matter you, who dropped out of the class, it was going to be a good player that you lost out of the class. And, and you said something to me yesterday, which was interesting. I think people should consider for a second. If Peyton Bowen ends up decommitting from the class – it's a big loss. Like yeah. we would never, from a talent perspective, we're not, yeah. like, we would never sugarcoat that. But yeah. you said something to me yesterday in two out of four of the major recruiting platforms, he's not the tap break player no. in Notre Dame's class. No, Charles Jackson is. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's still other really good players in the class. Is right. The point. Still and that's not to say it doesn't hurt to lose Peyton Bowen, but oh. here's, here's what we're, here's what's going to happen. Right. If you're salty and you don't think any top players are going to end up coming and you think you don't care, that's fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. I'm truly not coming down on you, but what we're not going to do is have every time we have a recruiting show about a different kid. That's all you talk about. It just, we're not going to have that. And it's not a debate. This isn't a discussion. It's just not going to happen. Okay. Yep. If you want to ask an honest question about whether or not this is a kid that you have to be concerned about being an NIL thing, that's a fair question if it's posed that way, sure. right? But the answer is always going to be the same. I, I do not know. If right now the kid's probably not feeling that way, that's why he's committing Notre Dame. But that is something that we'll talk about after signing day that Notre Dame's going to have to vet a little bit as they get into this process and, and be prepared for that. But that's always going to happen because, look, here's the deal. Kids flipped from Notre Dame and Alabama and Ohio State before NIL. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame has flipped plenty of kids in this class as well. Let's not also act like Notre Dame's the only one having kids lo- losing kids, right? Uh, Kenny Minchie was a flip, mm-hmm. right? Uh, at wide receiver, Caleb Smith was a flip. Offensive line, they did not flip it. Uh, Chris Tarek was a Chris flip Tarek. from Wisconsin. Yep. Defensive line, they flipped Bubakar from Boston College. They flipped Armel Mukum from Stanford. Uh, linebacker, they didn't flip anybody. Secondary, they didn't flip anybody, I don't believe, right? Although they had to have some comebacks with some kids. So Notre Dame okay. has flipped as many kids as they've lost, and those are all good football players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Wade, to answer your question, no, the class is not going to be as good as it could have been. It's not. I, mean, I would lose all credibility if I sat there and said, you know what, they're going to be – they're, they're, this class is just as good if they had Keon and Peyton Bowen in it. And now, first of all, Peyton Bowen's still in the class. He hasn't decommitted. And if you're on Twitter today, you know, you see the Notre Dame kids are fighting. 
Marcus Freeman and his staff, they're fighting. He hasn't decommitted yet. Do we anticipate it to happen? Sure. But he hasn't done it yet. And I think because I think deep down in Peyton's heart, I think Notre Dame is where he wanted to be. I truly believe that. I just think there's a lot of other things pulling him in a different direction. Yeah. So could he have a change of heart? Sure. Am I expecting it? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And and so and there's some people around him that Notre Dame, you know, they they're in Notre Dame's corner. Again, I yeah. still don't expect it to happen. Is this as good of a class without Peyton Bowen? No, it's not. But here's my point. My point is it's it we have to as best we can program ourselves to say at the end of the day, we can be we can have our feelings about whatever they could have had, but you have to be able to evaluate the class for what it is. And if you're looking at this class for what it is and you don't think this class moves the needle, then I just think you're 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 incorrect. I think you're wrong. And I think you have a tendency to have a, maybe a pessimistic look at it. I have a, a good buddy of mine who who has been telling me for months it's not that good of a class because he's just tearing down every single player. If you don't think those kids are that good, that's fine. Whatever. We agree to disagree. I'm not going to get into that with you. But when I look at this class, here's what I see, Ryan. I see a difference maker quarterback. I see one of the best running backs in the country, one of the best wide receiver halls in the country, one of the best tight ends in the country, one of the two best offensive line classes in the country, along with Miami. One of the best defensive line classes in the country. One of the best linebacker classes in the country. Arguably the best cornerback tandem in the country. And it's arguable, right? There's other good cornerback tandems, but they're in the conversation. And and the safety hall is not as good without Peyton Bowen. It's still a good group, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and Especially if, when you add in the fact that Brandon Hellman could play that position if you need him. Could. To, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you look at it and you say – this is still a really good class. This is a level of balance and impact. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, impact player at all those positions, except for maybe, maybe tight end and defensive line. I don't think Cooper Flanagan's an impact player in the same way that Michael Mayer is. Do I think the Cooper Flanagan's a really good tight end? I do. Defensive yeah. line wise, Ryan, I'll say this and I'll let you just uh, impact player, quarterback, impact player, uh, running back, multiple impact players, a wide receiver. And I've had two different people tell me, that the buzz around some in the scouting industry is that from depending on some people you talk to, Caleb Smith could end up being the best receiver in this class. And I've talked to other people that have that believe that Rico Flores could end up being the best receiver in this class. That tells you how good this class is because those are number three and four right now yeah. for Notre Dame. Impact players along the offensive line. You have impact players a linebacker, impact players a corner. And I would say the positions where I don't see impact players right now is D-line and safety but I see impact upside. Yeah. It's just more projectable. Brandon Hillman and, and Adon Schuler and Ben Minich are still a little bit of a projection, especially Minich and, and Hillman if he moves there. And again, he may not move there. He may be a rover. He may be a receiver. He may be a running back. I'm just saying if, hypothetically. you know. So, so those are where the class maybe fell short a little bit in that immediate impact type of production. But Brennan Vernon has a very high upside. Bubakar Traore has legitimate five-star upside. Uh, Armel Mukum has big-time upside. And mm-hmm. Devin Houston is might be the most ready to play of all of them, yeah. you know, with legit top 100 upside. So I understand why people are unhappy with this class because they're looking at what could have been. But Thank at some know. point in time, you have to put your big boy pants on and say, okay, what is this class? This is a – Darn good recruiting class. And like I was talking to a buddy last night, you go position by position with Miami, who's now ranked ahead of Notre Dame. And unless you're just being pessimistic and negative, there's no way you can tell me that they have more position groups that are better than Notre Dame's position groups. 
but they have a couple kids that are highly ranked in the stars and the stars are based off a point system. And mm-hmm. if you're ranked 32nd and that's the cutoff of a five star, and another guy's ranked 33rd, the 32nd guy is going to give you significantly higher rankings b- b- bump than the guy ranked 33rd one spot different. Right. But it also in the rankings wise, it looks like this big different thing. I don't really care about that. That's not how I look at it. So I agree with you, Ryan, it won't be a top five class if Peyton Bowen leaves based on the points system, but there are not five classes that if you take out Lamar and you take out Bowen, there are still not five classes that I would trade this class for just from a talent standpoint, forget even talking about, did they meet their needs? Cause that's even more in favor of why I like this class. They met needs numbers wise, talent wise at every position, except safety. Uh Right. Yeah. Well, and, and Brian, I would say this too. I mean, we were talking about this yesterday on the phone. I I give Notre Dame staff a lot of credit for one big thing is that they identified a lot of kids that were they were ahead of the curve with, right? We talked about how they were on Brandon Hillman a couple months before you even heard about the interest being out there. We talked about Armel Mukum, who again, people hated that commitment at, at the time because they thought it was just a Keon Keeley replacement, even though that was incorrect. Right. But now Armel Mukum is ranked as the number 191 player in the country, a top 200 on 247. Is that probably a little too high? Yeah, I think you can make that argument. But right definitely now has it's that. too high. It's too high right. right now, but the upside is certainly there. Yes. And if you, wa- if you watch a senior film and just based it just upon that and where he could go from there – I think you're like, okay, that guy is legit, legit potential, big-time upside. There's no doubt about that. But then Ben Minich was another one that we were talking about yesterday, right? Like, And I will never push back against this. I was not huge on Ben Minich when they first got him. I thought he was a good player. I didn't think that he was a stellar option at that point in the class. But Ben Minich just had a big-time senior year, and I was wrong about Ben Minich as a recruiter. Yeah. So, yeah. And now Same. you know, you, you lose Peyton Bowen and – that if you lose Peyton Bowen, that's a big loss. There's no doubt. But the fact that you were in front of everything and you got a guy like Ben Minich and you got in on a guy like Brandon Hillman, you can soften the blow of what is a great football player. You can figure it out is the point. So not Notre Dame didn't just sit back, have their board, and just go from there, right? Chad Bowden, Marcus Freeman, and this staff, did a great job, in my opinion, identifying some under-the-radar guys that have now become not under the radar anymore. Like Ben Minich is not under the radar anymore. Armel Mookum's not under the radar anymore. Brandon Hillman is not under the radar anymore. I mean, Brandon Hillman at the end had offers from Miami, Tennessee, everybody. Like he was that he was that dude. So Notre Dame did a tremendous job finding those types of diamonds that, hey man, they might they might have a little bit of a lower floor, a couple of those guys. But if Armel Mookum hits a ceiling, it's gonna be a stud. He is. If Brandon right. Hillman hits the ceiling, he could be a stud. Right. Like th- th- that's what you have in this class. So you need to bet on yourself a little bit and bet on your coaching staff. But if you're comfortable with your staff as pr- developers, I, th- I think you still sure. are pretty happy with the talent that you have. Sure. Is it as good as it could have been? No. We have see. We have to be able to have objective conversations. What we're not going to do is like everything's perfect. Don't sweat it. Not wouldn't it have been any better with those guys? That's BS. Silly. Silly. BS. Yeah. Of course, this class would have been better with Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen. Of course, it, it would have. It, it may right? have had some arguments of being the best recruiting class Notre Dame has ever pulled. Like that has a right. legitimate argument. I mean, right. 
But we also, then it doesn't turn into a lift. They don't have them, then it stinks or it's like, here's one. Oh, it's just like the Brian Kelly classes. That's not, there's no, like literally no quantifiable way of saying that. Like this class stacks up with the best class Brian Kelly ever had. Mm-hmm. It's certainly more balanced than that class was, you know, and that would be the 2013 class with Jalen Smith and all that. But, you know, I mean, your number two DB in that class was Rashad Kinlaw. <laughs> right. He's not in the top five for Notre Dame. Uh, so again, I think we need to have some conversations about, uh, you know, some honest and objective conversations. And what I don't want to have happen is for people to kind of go in, in one of two directions on these. I don't want us to turn into that Homer site that turns in and everything is awesome. Don't sweat it. Ben minutes is going to be better than Peyton bone anyway. Well, if you didn't believe that last week, you shouldn't believe that this week. Right. That's, I mean, could it happen? I guess. I mean, sure, right? I mean, what I predicted when Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa signed with Notre Dame, and remember, I was a very high on Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Gary Graham is a four-star with four-and-a-half-star upside. Did I think he was going to be, uh, you know, as as productive, if more productive, actually, than Jalen Smith? No, I didn't. You know, I, it, kids pan out. But I'm not going to sit here and predict that those three safeties are going to be better than Peyton Bowen. I guess it could happen. Anything could happen. But – that's silly. That's that's Homer stuff, right? That's fanboy side stuff. Yeah. But we can still also look at what they have and take out what they lost and say, is that a group that moves the needle? Yeah, it does. Is it where it needs to be? Not quite yet. No, it's not. Hmm. And I had somebody on the board yesterday made a good point. He's like, well, you know, Michigan has look at what Michigan's doing and the blueprint that Michigan has. They're not doing five stars. I'm like, yes, but a Michigan's schedule is way softer than anything Notre Dame's going to face moving forward. Number one, and number mm-hmm. two. Talk to me after Michigan wins a playoff game or competes for a championship first, right? Like Notre Dame's already gotten to the playoffs multiple times, two times out of three years. And that's what Michigan's done. Great job by Jim Harbaugh, right? I mean, great job. But I need to see that that's actually a championship formula first before I start saying let's mimic Michigan because I would argue that mi- Michigan is mimicking what Notre Dame did from 2017 to 2021. Really good defense, run the football, really strong offensive line play, man- game manager, quarterback. Right. I mean, is that is that any different than what Notre Dame did from 17 to 20? I don't think it is, except they've softened their schedule, which has helped them out. So I think it's I think it's a blueprint that was already established, but it's not a blueprint yet that has shown that you can win championships. I do believe there's a level of elite playerness that needs to happen to compete for and win championships. My my point has always been that doesn't mean those guys have to be five stars. Right. Jamar Chase, five star. Justin Jefferson, not even in the top 2000. Find elite talent. And there's a lot of very high upsides in this group. The risk of this class, however, Ryan, is there's a lot more lower floors in this group as well. Like the defensive Mm -hmm. line, lower floors. Right. That's a that's something we have to have a conversation about. Right. The safety, not quite the high ceilings as maybe some of the other positions on the group. But. When you're building a football team, you have to look at it and say, can this safety group, if it pans out, be as good as the 2018 safety group? Yeah. Yeah, it can. Mm-hmm. Right? But the other position groups have a chance to be as good as those position groups, if not better. And right. that's that's the thing is, is you look at it as in its entirety because you're trying to build a football team, not just go on paper and, and win a points-based system on paper. Mm-hmm. Right? that's going to be the the thing that determines it right so good good question wade and 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 clearly obviously sparked some some good conversations so 
let's get up here to a couple from uh, from the uh, from John A one, and we'll get back to some super chats here as well. John A one says, "How important is the bowl game for Jared Parker?" I I I think that it's a pretty interesting conversation, John. It, to be honest, because look, I, I think that. Jared Parker is a guy that walked into a great situation, right? Imagine being a tight end coach and coming into having Michael Mayer on the roster coming off of the 2021 season that Michael Mayer just had. Now I will say this. I think that Jared Parker's already shown me something though, because I mean, we talked about this, right, Brian, that Michael Mayer had great improvements as a blocker down the stretch of the season. You also have to give some of that credit to Jared Parker though, right? Because he's the guy working with them. Right. right. So he got him to buy into it and stuck with it. And the improvements happened for a great player. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see, okay, now that you don't have Michael Mayer, who's the elite talent, the proven commodity. Now, when you're working with the younger guys, the Mitchell Evans, who's a sophomore, the Holden Stace is that's a true freshman. How much progress have they had throughout the season? What have you been able to get out of them as far as, your attention to detail to play in the position. So I think it's a nice evaluation of just how Jared Parker can coach from the top, top down. Cause now you're going to see how much attention, how much detail the freshman has been able to take in what Mitchell Evans has been able to do coming back from the injury. So I think it's going to be a nice barometer to see how good of a coach Jared Parker is, but I wouldn't say it's the end all be all. Cause you still right. have a couple of young players that are going to make mistakes at times. Like it's and they're happen. not. And, and some of his more top players aren't even in this game. Sure. I mean, he's not going to have Eli Raritan. Kane Barong just transferred. Kevin Bauman's – well, I don't count Kevin Bauman as one of the more talented players, but he's a depth guy. But you could argue that the most talented kid on the roster is not playing in this game because he's got a knee injury. So I don't know if I would say it's it's something that I'm going to hang too much on, to be yeah. honest with you. But, yeah, I mean, I want to see him go out there and get these guys ready to play and play good football. Okay. You know, To me, the spring is going to be more important for me for Jared Parker than, than the uh, – than the bowl game, to be completely honest with you. Cricky asks, and thank you for the super chat, Cricky. Uh, thank you very much. Or I, I'm probably not saying that right, but uh, you can maybe help me out with that. <laughs> Ryan, rate your first full year working for IB. Also, where does Zeke Crow go in the draft? Well, I would say this. Irish Breakdown and Brian as an employer, they are a six-star organization, okay, out of a five-star okay. scale. And I'm obviously joking because you let's guys pretend know how for a I second am. If I wasn't on the show and you were, and I wasn't allowed uh, to listen to the follow-up, and none of the snitches from the chat were going to tell me what you said afterwards. Nah, man. Nah, nah. I mean, you guys know that I like to joke around, but it's it's honest. I mean, I tell Brian this all the time, so it's not a it's not a secret. It's it's been a dream of mine for a long time to be able to cover the game of football, and I feel blessed beyond belief the fact that I get to do what I do every day and. The fact that it's almost a year in is like crazy. To think that it's almost, it has flowed by. So I'm excited for the next steps because I know Brian has a lot of plans in the future, obviously, a lot of goals that he has. And I have constant goals as far as just continuing to grow and continue to be better at what I do and continue to push the envelope to how good I can be in different capacities of the job that I do. So I'm excited about the growth. I'm very blessed. There's no doubt about it. As for Zeke Carell, I, I mean, it's it's a little too early to tell, to be honest. I, I haven't watched his film from an NFL evaluation perspective, right? Like, I've watched his film from, are you in the right spot? How have you played just in a vacuum? There's things that go into NFL evaluation that's much different. You know, what 
What are the traits? How do they translate to next level? What scheme do they translate the best to? Those things will kind of remain to be seen. And he's not a guy, obviously, that we intend, we expect to be in this year's draft, right? Like he's going to be back next year. So we'll see. And this will probably be a question that you want to ask me further into the future. But I'll say that I think that Zeke Carell, just in a vacuum, improved a ton over the season, right? Like first couple games were rough. And then he, by the end of the season, he's one of the more consistent offensive linemen that Notre Dame has. So uh, from an NFL draft perspective, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of knocks as far as like the size and length that he possesses as far as how he translates. But again, we've seen this profile, the David Andrews of the world, the Jeff Saturdays of the world that didn't have great size that ended up being really successful centers in the NFL. So that, that's to be to be determined. But I think that Zeke is definitely worth to keep an eye on moving forward. And I want to see what Zeke does in year two under Harry Eastan. That's that's the thing, too, is we're going to see some jumps from kids next year, I think once they get another year of Harry Heaston under their belt. So uh, I think that that is a if, key if you th- If you think that Joe Walt and Blake Fisher were good this year, just wait until year two under Harry Heaston. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Here, here's a comment, too, from Anthony Solomon. And I think this isn't said enough. Mm-hmm. We can't rave about flipping com- com- commits and complain when it happens to Notre Dame. I, I want to say this to Anthony. Number one, you can complain about it and what it means to lose kids, right? And and I'm frustrated that they lost Peyton Bowen or Keon Keeley and those type of things. Mm-hmm. What I don't like, however, is when fan bases, if a kid flips to you, well, that kid's really smart. He saw the big picture. He understood. Then kids flip away. He's immature. He's an idiot. He's, you know, look. It's the same thing I'll say, whether a kid comes to Notre Dame or leaves Notre Dame, there's a right and a wrong way to do this. I don't have an issue with what Jaden Lamar is doing because he's been upfront and honest with Notre Dame. This is why we have said for over a month that that's a kid that we're concerned about because he was giving Notre Dame reason. He was telling them, hey, I'm going to go visit Arizona. I'm going to go visit Washington. I'm going to visit Oregon. If Jaden Lamar decides that I want to stay closer to home, and I want to look at the depth chart and, and, you know, a lot of things are close and I'm not sure. And, you know, this is something leading that direction and there's other factors involved. And it's like, if he decides he wants to go to Oregon, I'm going to tip my cap to him and wish him the best of luck. And you could say, well, you know, he waited till really late. True. But Notre Dame's known this was a possibility for a while. If they wanted a second back, they could have started recruiting another back. How Jaden Lamar's handled his situation and how Dylan Edwards handled his, two completely different scenarios, yeah. right? One, I'm like, hey, bro, best of luck to you. And I know Ryan, I know Ryan's going to be checking box scores when Jaden Lamar's in the lineup to see how he did. I, I Because he's a good kid. Yes. I, I think, I've never had any issue with Jaden Lamar. I, I mean, I, everything I've heard, he's a good kid, comes from a good family. He's just kind of, you know, look, I, I just, circumstances have changed and I just think I, 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 I kind of, as you, because here's the thing you have to understand, as you get closer to making this decision, a lot of reality sink in. Like, yeah. I'm going across the country. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm leaving my family. I'm, and I, you know, my brother's kind of an up and coming and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like some kids have change of hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, Keon Keeley had a change of heart. He was all about Notre Dame and then over time just wasn't. That's okay. He was honest about it. He communicated to the staff. He let them know what was going on. He made his decision and they made theirs. No problem with that. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I may not agree with his decision. But I'm going to be doing with Keon what Ryan is doing with Jay will do with Jay Lamar, and I'll be checking box scores. How'd Keon do this week? I'll be watching film. How'd Keon do this week? You know, and 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 pulling for him. Dylan Edwards, different different view, different opinion, right? Mm-hmm. 
I don't like the way Peyton Bowen has gone about his decision. It's not that him flipping I have a problem with. If he ultimately decides he wants to stay closer to home and 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 you know, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully, like let's just say his girlfriend being in Oklahoma is a really important factor to him. I would advise against that. I've always advised against teenagers chasing girlfriends to college, boys or girls. It's just unwise in my opinion, but I don't knock him for it. That's his choice. That's his decision. I I, I respect that. My only issue with Peyton is just the way he's gone about it, in my opinion. Yeah. But if he, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't make him a horrible kid or whatever. And so, yeah, we, we can't praise Kenny Minchie's outside-the-box thinking and really smart foresight to realize what Notre Dame could do for him and then be like, Jaden Lamar is not a good kid who's not thinking about the right things when he chooses not to go to Notre Dame. I think that's unfair. Yeah. And 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 I don't want to be that way. Uh, to be honest, we're not, with you, I don't we're, be that we're way. not we're not Brett Venables in here. We uh, yeah. we respect all decisions. <laughs> right, right. Yes, that guy. Oh God, whatever. So yeah, Anthony, that's a good point, and and I hope that more people start kind of being that way. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Do you guys have any favorite new head coaching hires you love, and some that are puzzling to you guys? So obviously, Ryan. I want to kind of pull up some of the some of the hires that um, um, are happening right now. I'll tell you one that I did not like. I'll just tell you right now. Um, mm-hmm. I did not like the hiring of Hugh Freeze at Auburn <laughs> for, I, for, I'm, many, I'm, for many look, different reasons. For many different reasons. <laughs> uh, let's just assume. Uh-huh. Let's assume that Hugh Freeze has in fact turned his life around. Sure. And has not the guy that was doing the things he was doing. That's totally fair. As a Christian, I believe in 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 forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's kind of like what what people often have to understand is forgiveness doesn't always mean you forget, right? Right? Or doesn't always mean that things are just going to go back to normal, right? I mean, I start giving you scripture, right? Like you know, David sought forgiveness for things he did, but there were still consequences to his actions, right? And and I just. Uh, I, I just thought there were better hires to be made, to be honest with you, by Auburn. And I just wonder, it's easy to, we see this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to make changes when you have no choice but to make changes. Then you kind of get back to the life you led before, and then it's like, okay, let me get back into my comfort zone. That'd be a concern for me if I was Auburn. He even got a, he had a better job than he was at before too. I mean, Auburn is a jump up from Ole Miss, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it, I, I didn't love the hire. I didn't because then I, I think another thing that people point to Brian is that, oh, he's a great recruiter. I'd be like, he did pull up some great recruits, but we know that there was some things behind that. Right. And I, I just, I don't know if organically he's actually a great recruiter or if there's just, you know, the, right. what, what he can offer outside of that. So I agree. That would have been top one. I, I'm kind of interested to see how Dillingham does at uh, Arizona state though. I think mm-hmm. that was kind of an interesting one. I'm not sure if I love that hire yet, or if I'm just kind of lukewarm on it, but I think it's mm-hmm. interesting because we've talked a lot about this. Arizona, I think is improving a ton from a high school recruiting perspective. And although I do like a lot of what Jed fish is doing over at Arizona university of Arizona, I think that Arizona State is still, when they're good, they're a cool team, right? Like they got nice uniforms. They got kind of a little bit of swagger to them. If they can be 
if the, if he can kind of put a little bit of a fence around Arizona and keep some of the good recruits out of uh, out of Arizona to stay in state with the Sun Devils, with USC and UCLA now also going to the Big Ten, I think that they have opportunities there, both from a just recruiting home base and the fact that the Pac-12 is going to be losing a couple premier programs out of there soon. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Kenny Dillingham does at Arizona State. Here, here's a couple hires that I, I that I, I thought the Matt Rule hire at Nebraska was excellent. I thought that That's was an hire. excellent hire. I, I don't know if Nebraska could have done a better job. Um, I'm lukewarm on the Luke Fickle hire, uh, and no pun intended on that one. I'm just I think Luke Fickle's a little bit overrated as a coach. I think he's a solid coach. I think he benefited from having Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens and Mike Denbrock as assistant coaches for him over the years. I do, especially from a recruiting standpoint. And his first major hire is exactly one of the concerns I have. He went out and hired Phil Longo to be his offensive coordinator. Now, Phil Longo does some really good things. That is, a to me, a horrible fit. I don't know how you're going to recruit kids to that system unless Phil Longo changes the system. So it was a little bit puzzling to me. I, I thought that hire was a little bit puzzling to me. I'm just going to kind of go through some of these hires and just well, – we, we, like we can do the-offensive the coordinator hires all day, right? Like I know right. you weren't a fan of Graham Harrell going to Purdue yesterday. Yeah, that was just puzzling. I, I'm not a fan of Graham Harrell. I, mean, I, I don't know a lot about Ryan Walters. You you see, you seem very high on him. You know a lot more about him than I do. So I don't I, have as, a, a, as a defensive mind, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't have an yeah. opinion on him as the head coaching hire. I just didn't like his offensive coordinator hire. Uh, Jeff Brom to Louisville was a great hire, in my opinion. I thought that was – I think the timing is better now than it was before for him to go to Louisville. I really do. I think this was a good hire. Uh, you spoke on Kenny Dillingham. I don't know I don't know a lot about Troy Taylor, the guy that Stanford just hired. Going to Scott, tough, tough, tough yeah. position, man, tough position. Scott yeah. Satterfield's not a guy that I would have gone for if I was Cincinnati. No, I'm – he, I'm so soured on that guy. Like you take this job at Louisville and then you spend the rest of your career complaining about it, you know, and just looking to be out. I just, I don't have a lot of it's respect ki- for him. It's ki- kind of, kind of a parallel move to yeah. Louisville to Cincinnati. Like, I don't know about that one. Man. You're going to a, the big 12, you know, yeah. since that's going to be the big 12 now, I, I, I didn't get that move. He just wanted out of Louisville. That's a, yeah. it's a, and he has for years. It's as simple as that. Uh, some of the other hires that that uh, you know, I, I think Western Michigan made a good hire of of Lance Taylor. I do. I think that was a good hire. Yep. The the UAB one uh, hired Trent Dilfer was like Dilfer. Oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, um, what did you think of Jamie Chadwell going to Liberty? I'm not a huge Jamie Chadwell guy. He's had a couple nice years, but he he just kind of came out of nowhere. There's a lot of not great in his background as well as a coach. Yeah, I mean that that's a, that's another one where I mean I think that Coastal's kind of on a pretty decent trajectory, right? Like they've played they've had a couple of nice seasons out of the last 3 and I feel like you could have just kept building that up a little bit. Right? I mean because I'll say this, I mean that's right that's right outside of Myrtle Beach. I mean, there's a lot of recruits that I think would like to live right around where Coastal Carolina is to be honest, right? So Liberty's one of those teams where I think Liberty is always going to be able to get some athletes. Like they always have some decent wide receivers. They have Malik Willis. They attract some skill position players, but I just kind of think it's a lateral move. You know, like I, I think that if it was, if Jamie Chadwell is going to go somewhere, I figured that it would be for something a little more, not parallel. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know why this was the job now that he decides to do that. It just seems like odd timing to me. Another hire Ryan uh, that I, <clears throat> kind of found kind of 
interesting. It's it's going to be either a huge, huge success or a huge, huge bust is Tom Herman at FAU. Like That's either going to go really well or really bad. I don't think there's going to be any I, in between on that one. I, I actually kind of like that one. I think yeah. I commented when that happened. I, look, I, Tom Herman is a little bit of an overrated coach for me like mm-hmm. to go to a big program, but – I mean, you saw what he did at like Houston, and I, I think like those group of five mid-level teams. Like, I think he could do well at a spot like that. If he so. can get back to being that guy, innovative, sure. you know, he he's got a really unique personality, and he kind of got a little mm-hmm. too big for his britches at Texas. He did. Did he get humbled or not? That's the question, right? And that's why I say it's either going to be a really good hire, which means he goes back to his Houston roots innovative offense, you know, good recruiter, get some Juco kids, find kids that fit your system and then run, do what you do. Or does he still think he's the man that, 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 uh, you know, he thought he was at Texas. True. And that guy that lacked humility that got his butt kicked and spanked pretty good at Texas. If he's that guy, it's going to be a colossal failure FAU. If he's the other guy, then I think it'll go well. So they took a risk, but honestly, programs like that have to take those risks. Like here's the last one I'll talk about. Deion Sanders of Colorado. It's a huge risk. That's a big jump for a guy that's basically been a football coach for two and a half years, a right. college football coach for two and a half years. But you're Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Like you Take have to balance, okay, we're risking his inexperience as a coach, but we're we're banking on the res- – the, no, look, Deion hasn't been a coach for very long, but the results have been very good. Yeah. And, and Jackson State was a below-average HBCU program before he took over, and he quickly got him going. Now – yeah. Can he recruit? And they didn't just sign like people act like, you know, that this is like last chance you where like every kid transferred there that you, they're not. That's not a roster littered with former power five players, Mm-mm. you know, or or signing top kid. They got one big time commit or two big time commits last year. And I think Travis Hunter was like hurt a chunk of the year this year. He was. So he coached that team well. Mm-hmm. Right. He did well. Now, Jackson State to Colorado humongous difference how will he do but you have to you have to because if he taps into the potential you think he has the reality is you have no chance of getting this guy in two years mm-hmm. or three years none so you yeah. take your shot now you convince him to come knowing there's going to be some bumps in the roads he's going to be a little rough around the edges he's going to you know there's things he's going to say and do that you're not going to like but the end result is he's going to rake bring a lot of money into your program and you think you've got a shot to win, recruit and win with him. That's mm-hmm. the risk you're taking. It's a gamble, but it's sure. a gamble that I think a program like Colorado should have absolutely taken. Same thing with FAU and Tom Herman. This could blow up in your face and he could be out of there in two years. It could also go really well. Yeah. And he's out of there in two years still, but he leaves you in a really good place to where you can now go out and say, hey, look, if you want to be that guy, this is the place you want to come to. I think Colorado's in that situation too, especially with USC and UCLA leaving soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a, I liked the hire. Is it a risky hire? Sure. But what yeah. were you going to do? Go get Nick Saban to leave Alabama to come to Colorado? Like you either go, you're going to get some FCS coach, right? You're either going to get a Troy Taylor type of guy or, you know, Bobby Houck or guys like that, or the Chris Clymans who, who are good football coaches, but mm-hmm. your program is a mess. Yeah, you needed to make a splash, so I take you, that FCS coach over the other FCS coaches you were going to get because at least Dion brings you a much higher ceiling, mm-hmm. in my opinion, as a coach than what some of those people do. And I think, I think the the offensive coordinator hire he made was really good. 
really good. You compare that to what Luke Fickle did. Like, I mean, I'm like, okay, now that's a good hire. Hiring a guy from Kent State yeah. who's an air raid kind of guy, you've got to have some kind of gimmick like that at Colorado if you're going to win. You're not going to line up and play 21 personnel and run it down people's throats like you used to. You got to have some kind of gimmick to get going, and he hired a really good offensive core. Ryan, we watched some of his film, you know, because Notre Dame was looking at you know one of the receivers on him, and we were looking at his film. And I know there's some NFL prospects on Kent State on offense too. That guy runs a really good offense, a really good offense. That's a good hire. I I think so too. I mean, he schemes guys open a ton in the passing game. Like you, Dante Cephas. He had the Walker kid, who was the other wide receiver, who was really talented himself. Like. Think actually just entered the portal himself, which is pretty funny. So all those Kent State guys are kind of leaving now that that Coach Davis is out. But I, Brian, I mean, I agree a hundred percent though in the sense that Colorado is a barren wasteland from a talent perspective, mm-hmm. just absolutely atrocious, man. The one thing that I think Dion's going to do really well because I said this the first time he got hired. I don't know if he's a great coach. I have no idea, but I do know that he has a big personality. He's obviously got a big persona. He's got a great resume as far as the player he was and the personality he has. So he's going to attract a lot of talents. I think you've seen it a little bit already, but I think that that team is going to get significantly more talented in a pretty short amount of time. So even if it fails, I would still look at it and be like, even if it doesn't end well for Deion Sanders, at least your next coach is going to be able to work with a lot more talent than what you have now. Like, it's a barren wasteland right now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agree. Agree. Got some more questions up here. Let's get back to one here. Another one from John a one. What is IB's grade of the chancy of the job? Chancy Stucky had done in year one. Can I begin by saying on this one, Ryan? Yeah. I need to see the bowl game first. I need mm-hmm. to see with this new look, what we expect to be a new look is what do you do with Tobias? Because he kind of, you know, Tobias is starting to come along and then he gets knocked out with a concussion, right? Right. I want to see how they finish the season. But let's just say regular season grade, Ryan. What is the regular season grade and then the recruiting grade for Chancey Stuckey and combine those things? I think the recruiting grade, you and I would both agree, is an A. Yes. I mean, yeah, and this I, this this wasn't like past years, Ryan, where, you know, Dell was getting big-time receivers because Chip was recruiting him. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, what? it's not that. Like, Chancey Stuckey played a very key role in getting all these kids at wideout. And he, and he got three kids out of the state of Texas that he had previous relationships with, right? Like, that was a big thing, obviously, from his time at Baylor. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I don't think anybody can really knock a hole in the recruiting aspect, especially when you consider that you had no idea what type of recruiter he was going to be because you just had not seen it. There was no data points to say Chansey Stuckey was going to be a good or a bad recruiter. Like you had no idea what it was or anything in between. I think getting a Jaden Greathouse, getting a Braylon James, getting a Rico Flores, getting a Caleb Smith late, like that's that's an A class. That's a really good job to get a four-man class. And not to mention, you're also talking about 2024. He's already got Caleb – um sorry, Caleb Williams. He's already got Cam Williams in the class, who's a very talented wide receiver in his own right out of Illinois. So you have five recruits at wide receiver now. He had none when he first got here, and I think that he, you could say that he's done a tremendous job as a recruiter. I think it's still an incomplete, though, for me from a from a first year perspective. I agree. I want to kind of see the last finishing touches to it. I'd say it's somewhere around the B range. You know, I think that there's a lot of positives to it, and I think that he laid the groundwork for future success. He was just he was put in a tough position, though. He was because yes, there's talent on the roster when he got here, but there wasn't a ton of depth. 
And then when you just put in the fact that, hey, Dion dealt with an injury for part of the year, right? Tobias Merriweather dealt with an injury for part of the year. There was inconsistencies at quarterback. There was just some things that are out of the wide receiver coach's control. But I think he did a rock-solid job as year one. I I am interested to see and excited to see what year two looks like, but I don't think that anybody can really poke holes in his job as a recruiter in year one. How about as a coach? I mean, as a recruiter. I said said a big. I said it okay. Yeah. Yep. For me as a coach, I, I was pleased with what he did as a coach. I think there were some things kind of working against him. Number one, the quarterback situation kind of hurt him. I think we saw Jaden Thomas, honestly, after the first two games, should have been benched. And he was bad. I mean, bad. By the end of the year, he was their most steady receiver. That's a good coaching job. I mean, look, anytime I say it's a good coaching job, the player has to buy in and do the work as well. Right. I mean, you're not doing a great coaching job because, you know, the kids are fighting you and they suck and they have no talent. But you're just such a great coach that you just turn these kids into to, to great players. You know, I've, I've talked about I mean, so like in my coaching in my coaching tenure, uh, you look at it and say, man, there were there were like my second year as a coach, my third year as a coach. So like my second year as a coach at running back. We went out and uh, set a bunch of school records that year in the run game, and my running back set a lot of records. And then the next year I went to another school, and we set a bunch of records passing the ball. And then the next school I went to, we set a bunch of offensive records. I was a pass game coordinator, set all of our pass game records at that school. And you know, I think I had a role in that, but at every place, I walked into rooms that had talented kids. You know, I go to Muhlenberg. And I'm walking in the room with Matt Bernardo at running back. That, that dude was a stud, right? Like, I felt that kid could have played at the FCS level. I, I do. I had guys like Mike Marker, Brad, and we moved a uh, linebacker over there, you know, uh, Chris Brown to play fullback. I had a kid named Mike McCurley who was fast. The kid could run. So I had talent. It's just it was my job to mold them. You know, I went to Duquesne. I had, I had two guys at Duquesne at the receiving core who were – Guys that got NFL tryouts, Jordan Brantley and, and Randy, or uh, excuse me, Michael Warfield. And I had another kid, Randy Velakovich, who didn't have the talent those guys had, but he was, you know, you know, good hands and good route runner. You know, Yard and Randy kind of thought they knew everything and, and they were okay, but Michael was a sponge, man. He had talent. He was a sponge. By the end of the year, Michael Warfield's an All American player. You know, Yard and Brantley eventually bought into what I was trying to do and then he finished the year on a strong note, right? But it's like I didn't walk into a room with a bunch of nobodies you know go to christopher newport and i got uh you know receiving core nathan davis was a talented kid curfew spate was talented kid i had really talented players because then burke but they needed to be coached and then they needed a scheme to be put in place to kind of bring that out of them and so you know you get hired to do a job and and you take these talented players and your job is to mold them and i think what i thought what i believe chancy stuckey did a great job of this year is molding each player differently you know, taking Jaden Thomas, say, okay, this is what Jaden's good at, and this is where Jaden's not as good, and I need to build him up in those areas. And then you build him up that way. Uh, taking Deion Colsey and saying, okay, what are his strengths? And let me let me tailor my coaching job to him to get him going in some of these areas. And I think you could kind of watch as the season went on, and you could say, okay, boy, he's really focusing with Jaden here, and he's really focusing with Deion here. I think the only thing that kind of would somewhat drag the grade down a little bit is Lorenzo Styles, but I, I but I I've always felt this way, and I, I think you all know this. If if a whole group is getting better, but there's one kid who's not, more often than not, I kind of put that on that kid 
when I criticize a coach is when uh, uh, multiple players or position group are struggling. I think that's when I kind of get into, dude, that you got to look in the mirror first. Or if it's year after year, there tend to be certain issues with different players. You you got to start looking at yourself first, right? Like if you have five years you know, in a row and you have three different quarterbacks and they all struggle with similar things, that's kind of on you, you know, most likely that you need to figure out why are they always struggling with these same things and how do, how can I get it figured out? So, uh, you know, to me, I think those are different aspects that I look at and say, Hey, you need to kind of get these things figured out. So, uh, those are aspects that I, that I'm, I'm very curious about to see how he can get those going with Chancey Stucky or with uh, Lorenzo styles. And that John is why the bowl game is important for me because I want to see the job that Chancey Stuckey does in the bowl game. You know, now that you've got some time off, you get a chance to kind of sit back, you get a chance to sit down with Lorenzo, kind of get in his head a little bit, figure out why certain things are are going right, why certain things are going wrong, and see if you can figure it out. And then if you can figure it out, then I think you're good to go. You know, and I think he'll do a good job. So those are those are the things that I want to see uh, from him kind of going into the season. So it's a good question, John. Here's a super chat from Willie Watson Weatherberger. When Notre Dame recruits the transfer portal uh, or other programs recruit recruit the transfer portal, are they working guys out or assessing physicals, thinking specifically about quarterback? Now, Willie, I I don't hold me to this, but my understanding is that you can't work guys out. Like you can't put them through tryouts. Now, could guys come and maybe play catch a little bit with other guys, and then you you know you talk to your players and. And, uh, and those type of different things, you know, then I think, you, hey, how did he do? How did he throw? How does it compare to this guy, that guy? Maybe you could do some of that stuff, but you can't be there. And, and um, you know, so but so I, my understanding is they don't work them out. It's about a set, when, when you, what you're doing now is you're assessing this kid's personality, his, does he fit our program? You're breaking down the film. That's how you find out if this kid can play is you break down the film. But the personal stuff, the face-to-face stuff, that's all about person, fit, um, character, work ethic. Those are things that you're assessing when it comes to sitting down and and getting these kids on campus. It's about that, not so much working a kid out. So, like, if Notre Dame, let's just say hypothetically, Notre Dame was interested in trying to give a transfer portal kid, uh, DJ Uyunglele, they're not going to go down to Clemson to put him through a working workout. You know, they're not going to get him on campus – and put him through a workout to see if he can throw. You have the film. Because it's like, even if he did look good in a workout, you you see the film, right? I mean, that's the different aspects of it. So uh, you're not, you're not really, that's not really going to be a part of, of what you're doing as a, as you go through this transfer portal. So good question. Good question. Here's an interesting one from John A1. Would bringing Braden Lindsay back in 23 be a better option than the transfer portal at wide receiver? My answer would be, Ryan, is, well, let me see first who they bring back in the transfer portal. Exactly. But more like if, if the if the option was Braden Lindsay or Keegan Johnson, I'm taking Braden Lindsay. If my mm-hmm. option was Braden Lindsay or Dante Cephas, I'd probably go with Dante Cephas just because he has a longer track record of production. But I yeah. would have no issue if Notre Dame decided to bring Braden Lindsay. I don't think they are, and I don't even know if he wants to come back for a six year. I think he may be ready to move on. I don't know. I I, I haven't talked to him about this. Mm-hmm. But if he wanted to come back and Notre Dame wanted him back, I'd have no problem bringing him back, Ryan. Well, I think it's the familiarity with the system and the coaching as well, too, right? Because I think if it's a close conversation, like both wide receiver, you're looking at a wide receiver in the portal, 
that is a similar talent to a Brain Lindsay or similar, produ- similar production level, and you need a tiebreaker, I think that the production for the experience with the staff and with the team is tiebreaker a little bit, right? But I agree with you. I think it's, I mean, John, you have to ask me, Braden, Braden Lindsay or X player, right? Like I need to know who the guy I'm talking about is because I agree with you. I mean, if it was Dante Cephas, I would defer to Dante Cephas because he's got more production. I think he still has a little more upside as far as being a college more size. receiver, yeah. more size, more upside to be a lineman versatile, like all those types of things. So it really does depend who the player is. I think though that Braden Lindsay has something working for him in the sense that if it's a close conversation, you say, well, he knows the room. He knows the campus. He knows the players around him. Like he knows those things. And I think that is an added bonus. If that is a tie breaking type of situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring this comment up here from Michael Parks. He says, Colorado is nothing but a stepping stone for coach Sanders. He'll be gone in three years. Nobody I disputes don't... that. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody disputes that. But here's the thing. If he is gone in three years, one of two things happened. It was a colossal failure and he's fired or B he leaves because he did a good job and he, and, and he, and he gets a better job, which means he leaves the program and in the position where you have shown the rest of the college world, hey, if you do it right here, you can win at Colorado, which yeah. makes that job far more attractive. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win for them if if he leaves in three years because he chooses to go somewhere because he won. It means he proved that you can win at Colorado, and he made Colorado cool again, mm-hmm. and now your job is to go out there and find another football coach that can, can build on that. So – no one thinks that Deion Sanders is went to Colorado to be a lifer in Denver. I don't. I don't think anybody thinks that. But if you're Colorado and he leaves in three to four years on his own accord, that means your next coach is walk is going to walk into a pretty talented roster in a pretty good situation, in my opinion. Yep, no, I agree completely. I think that it is a. I mean, it's a great opportunity for both sides, right? You're taking a little bit of a gamble on Deion Sanders, so. There's something to potentially lose if you're Colorado, but there's a lot to gain potentially. And I mean, if it's just, if it is a stepping stone, is that a bad stepping stone? I mean, Colorado, it's a, it's been a program that has shown in spurts with the right coach, they can be successful. It's just about, can you make Colorado into a consistent winner, right? Like you can't have a 10 win season under Mike McIntyre, Mike McIntyre, and then go six and six the next year, right? Like there's just no, that hasn't been sustainability and the last couple of years they've been just downright dreadful. So I think that's what you're looking at with Dion is how quickly he can get that turnaround. Can he make it sustainable as far as being a winner consistently on a year to year basis? And I mean, like you said, Brian, he's going to make it cool. He's going to make it cool to be at Colorado, which matters to recruits now it does and other players. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting to see just how he does over the next couple of years. Yep. It's a good one, Michael. Uh, so let's see here. John A1 asks, which player can be the best yards after catch player going into 2023 now that Dylan Edwards flipped to Colorado? So that would be obviously the, the returning players, Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, and Jane Thomas, or the incoming guys, Caleb Smith, which I think is my answer, uh, Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, and uh, Rico Flores. To me, Ryan, it's it's three guys, Lorenzo, no order, just order of of age. Lorenzo of the returners, and then Caleb Smith and Jaden Greathouse of the new incomers. Different. Jaden Greathouse's yards of the catch is a lot different how those other two dudes do it, but he's really good at it against really good high school competition. Yeah, he was one of the first guys I thought about. And honestly, Brian, I, I, I cheated a little bit in my mind because it said yards after catch player. It didn't say receiver. I started thinking about like Jeremiah Love in space, oh, yeah. you know, being there a yards go. after catch guy. So. 
Yeah. That's another guy that you can throw into the conversation. Jadarian Price. Jadarian yeah. Price is another good one because both those guys are explosive, but then they can also change direction very well. That's the one thing about Jeremiah Love that I don't think people talk about enough is the fact that, yeah, point A to point B, he's very fast and explosive, mm-hmm. but he changes direction and makes some people look absolutely stupid in space at times. So Jeremiah Love's a guy to talk about. Caleb Smith is a guy to talk about. Jaden Greathouse is – he's a he's just a dude that does not – like to get tackled and you can see that on film like he's got the stiff arm going he's got the physicality he breaks a lot of tackles so i don't don't think there's a right or a wrong answer there but i might go jeremiah love just to be a little different okay that's a good way of looking at it ryan i mean it's a good catch it's a good catch you saw that he didn't say receiver i just kind of took it at receiver because i was thinking about dylan edwards so that's a very very good observation yes very well done Beef Eater with a super chat. Thank you, sir, very much. What about the hire of Biff Pogi at uh, UNC Charlotte? Uh, he hired Greer Martini as his linebackers coach. So it's just Charlotte now. They don't go by UNC yes. Charlotte anymore. Just Charlotte now. Um, do, do you have an opinion? I don't really. Have I love an the hire of Greer Martini as a linebackers coach. I'm <laughs> excited about that. But I, I that hire didn't make a ton of sense for me, to be honest. No. With no. So I don't. There, have there, there, there have been a couple so far where I'm just kind of. Okay. Huh? <laughs> sure. Okay. Whatever works, buddy. Whatever it was like works. it was like Don Brown to UMass last year. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Very strange. Very very strange. Uh, also, just read that uh, Drake Bowen has been named Indiana's Mister Football. So very very exciting for Drake Bowen. Very happy. Yeah. Very He's happy to hear up. about that. He's cleaning up, man. Yes, the banquet, the banquet yes. circuit this year is. <clears throat> It's got him busy. Butkus Award winner, Indiana Mr. <laughs> I mean, if he wasn't Indiana Mr. Football, then it's just that award me award would mean nothing at that point. Yeah, he had, in time. He had I mean, to win that. He was yeah. great on defense, 1700 yard rusher, 26 touchdowns, 100 plus tackles. You know, it was uh he, he was a he, dude. He could have been Mr. Football just for his defensive numbers this year, but then you yeah. add in the fact that he almost had 1800 yards rushing, it's like right, well, sure. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't suck. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. I know, right? Whatever. But that's another thing about these rankings. Like 247 comes out with or Rivals comes out with their most recent most recent rankings. And 25 of Notre Dame, 21 of Notre Dame's 26 commits fell in the rankings. You can't tell me that that's how it played out. Especially when we watched the film, when we saw how much better so many of these guys got. How you could watch Charles Jagasaw and rank him where you ranked him as a junior and then watch him as a senior and drop him. Like, that's insane to me, right? Was, and I'm watching other teams too, right? So, like, way we do better. our own top 100. So, we watch film of other players. Mm-hmm. You know, you watch Jeremiah Love, and I'm sorry. you They dropped – they raised him like five. That dude should have saw a big jump. Now, they – in Rivals' defense, they did have him in the top 100 already. Mm-hmm. And they kept him in it. But, like, to me, he should be pushing for top 50 status right now. You know, with what the about, way he played this year. What, what about – I mean, we talked about this on the phone the other night. Braylon James was a significantly better yes. player as a senior than yes. a junior, significantly. Yes. You know, so a lot of that stuff, it's like, okay, it's because they're, they're – you know, who saw a big jump? Jay, you know, Peyton Bowen saw a big jump because he's uncommitted, right? Yeah. You know, Kenny Minchie saw a jump. That's fine. But you had him as a three-star. I mean, you were way off on him to begin with. You're just now catching up on him is all you're doing. So there was a lot of that stuff that was just like, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't make a lot of sense. So did these kids all become worse football players? Is it just that everyone else in the country just got that much better, but the Notre Dame players didn't? They Like, here's well, so they didn't drop. Other people got better. So what you're telling me is that 21 of Notre Dame's 26 commits 
just stayed the same or slightly better while everybody else had their guys get that much better. That's what I'm supposed to believe. No bias, nothing like that. It's just that's that's the reasoning. I'm I'm not that naive, nor and you shouldn't be either, to think mm-hmm. that there's not more to it. This and I fought against that for a long time. I fought against the guys. It's not a conspiracy. Then I worked there. And remember, uh, one of the national guys of all rankings coming up to one of our guys at BGI and saying, hey, are you ready? This is before the Army game started, the practice started. Are you ready to see all the Notre Dame players drop in the rankings? <laughs> and laughed and walked off. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. That guy's still involved in the rankings, folks. You know what I mean? Now, in rivals, to somewhat, they are trying to hire better people right now. They got rid of Mike Farrell. That was a smart move. Uh <laughs> There's some other guys they've hired that I think do a nice job or at least doing a better job, but their most ranking, most recent rankings were like, okay, here we are. We're back to, back to the same old, same old, you know? And, you know, so these kids become worse players. Did Brandon Hillman all of a sudden become a better prospect to you because rivals jumped them up in the top 200? Does that make him a better prospect than he was a week before when he was a three-star? Was Kenny Minchie a better pickup for Notre Dame in your eyes now that he went from being a three-star rivals to a top 200 player? Did that change him as a player? No, it did not. It did not. And, and that's why a lot of this stuff is just, you know, it's nonsense for me. John a one asks, is Donovan Heinrich going to be a secret weapon of the bowl game? I don't, I don't think so. John, I'd love it. It'd be pretty cool. Right. Uh, You know, that'd be pretty nice. You you have heard a lot of good things about him. Yeah. I'd have some fun with that. I'd have some yeah. fun with that. Let's get down to here some more. I want to mix up some of John's with other people. Here we go. Coach Bent 574. What number one? I didn't see the number two. What percentage of power five coaches in non-near six bowl games do you think would forego the bowl games if they could still practice? I don't think most would forego the bowl games. I don't think so. I don't no. think so. I mean, the bowl game is the culmination of all the work you'd put in. I don't, I don't think I don't know. I mean, I, I would be. If I had a coach that didn't want to play the game but wanted to practice, I'd I'd have concerns about that coach. I would. Yeah, I mean, does any, I mean, I don't think that changes either from when you're a player or a coach, right? Does anybody want to practice if there's no mm-hmm. if there's no like end to the tunnel? Like I, I don't know. Yeah, because um, even spring practice, you have a game at the end, right? There's a there's a cult, mm-hmm. cultivation of all your practice time. You know, like I've never wanted to practice just to practice. Like it was always to get somewhere. You know, so yep. that's my two cents. Agree. All right. Next one. That's a that's a good one, Coach Bent. Detroit Hunter. Uh, off topic. What is okay? We're gonna get to that one later. I didn't see that. I, that I was didn't the see World what it War, said. It was a World War II question. Uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, Wayne Miller says far too many salty people about kids taking money. I bet most people would swap teams if they were offered a mill. Can we stop with this, please? Like I hate this. You may feel that way, Wayne. But don't project how you feel onto others, right? Mm-hmm. There are others that will agree with you, some that won't. What I hate is when people say, well, if you were in those shoes, you do the same thing. Don't speak for me. Don't speak for me. Speak for yourself and respect the kid's decision because you would do the same thing. Don't criticize others because they would not. Maybe some people criticizing him would, in fact, do that if they were actually offered that kind of money. Others would not. I just don't like it when people try to project their feelings about an issue. Well, if you had a chance to hook up with this girl, you would do it. No, I wouldn't. Well, you you don't. No, I, no, I. You know what I mean. And then it's like you get in that situation. You're like, okay, right. Some people would falter. 
Some people wouldn't because they know what that would mean, what how I would hurt my wife who I care very much about or whatever the case may be. Like, don't project that onto me. Don't project the fact that you would switch teams because you're off a million dollars onto me. Don't project that onto me or somebody else. So we can have differences of opinion here and respectful mm-hmm. dialogue and discussion here. We don't have to assume that other side on of the discussion is lying, misleading, naive, or some other negative thing. They may just have a different opinion of you, and they may make different life choices than you. Doesn't make you right or wrong. Doesn't make them right or wrong. It's their belief. And I just don't like, Ryan, when people look at something and say, well, you'd do the same thing if you were in their shoes. No, and you know how I know that? Because there's a lot of kids in their name's class that have turned down similar money to what the kids leaving are turning down. Promise you that. I promise you that. Right? We know promise that. For a fact. that. We know that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So they made a different decision. And we don't know ultimately if Peyton Bowen is going to make that decision. That's where we're at right now. That's the decision we're making right now. But as we said to you before, Keon Keeley's decision to leave Notre Dame's class wasn't just about money no. from NIL, it was about looking to the future. And he felt with his goals in life that he thought his football goals were far more important to him than the other aspect, the academic and the social things. He felt Bama could give him enough in those areas, to, but there was so much more proven than Notre Dame, in his view, in the area that mattered most to him that he felt that's the way to go. Now, if I get a little bit of stash over here on top of that, sure, and NIO was a factor for Keon, but it was not the factor. Football was the factor. Mm -hmm. NIL, I think, made the decision easier for him. But he made a business decision that he about things he thought was important for him, and then he was honest in his communication. No hard feelings for that. Would I make a similar decision? I'd like to think that now I would not. At 18, I made a very mm-hmm. immature decision at 18 and where to go to college. And it was about one thing and one thing only. I wanted to play quarterback, and that was the only school one to let me play quarterback. Everybody else wanted to move me a wide receiver. That was a pretty stupid reason to make a decision. Because I went to a crap school in a crap town with a crap campus, and they were a good football team, and they were going to let me play quarterback. You know how quickly it caught. You know how quickly my quarterback days lasted at that school, Ryan. About four <laughs> practices, and then I was moved to wide receiver. Right. Well, that's what happens when you make a dumb, silly, immature decision, right? And so, I don't know if I would have made a similar decision to him if I was there. But I also didn't have the same options that those kids had. I didn't have Notre Dame as an option. I didn't have those kind of schools as an option. I do think that if I'd have had that type of situation as an option, I would have looked at it differently. But I didn't have those options. But there are kids in this class, Ryan, that have turned down six, seven figures, six and seven figures to stay in the Notre Dame class. Does that make them better than Peyton Bowen? No. The decision to take right. The the decision to take money doesn't make them better. Again, it's the how. It's the how you went about it. That's my only issue. It's my only issue. Now, I could also say that because here's the other problem. As adults, people say, "Well, don't don't tell these kids." Isn't that our freaking job? Isn't that how society's always been? People that have gone through life and have experienced those things pass that knowledge on to young people, so you don't make the same stupid mistakes that I did. Right? Like, what kind of parent would you be if, if throughout your life you're just like, I'm still going to do whatever he wants? Well, didn't you get arrested for that? Yeah, but you know, I learned from us. I'll let him. Win. No, you explain <laughs> to him the mistakes you made as a parent or as a coach 
or whatever and say, don't make the stupid mistake that I did. Don't make the same immature decision that I did. That's called like passing down a legacy, right? So yes, as grownups, we should, hey, bro, this money isn't end all be all. Trust me, right? I went through this. I made a decision for the wrong reason. I'm talking, not me, because I didn't, I wasn't in his shoes, but there are other people that are, you know, hey, look, man, I stayed, I could have taken the, Michael Mayer could call Peyton, I, I could have taken a million bucks to go to Alabama, but I stayed because of this, mm-hmm. right? So there are kids that have made the decision opposite of what you say everyone would take, Wayne, right? Peyton Bowen's got to make his decision. I don't think it's the right one. That's my opinion. And I would speak knowledge to Peyton, and I would speak truth to Peyton as I see it about why I think he's making a mistake. But him not listening to me is part of his life process. doesn't make him a bad kid. It's a, I think it's a very, I think it would be an immature decision because of that. Now, if he was down to AM, Oklahoma, and Oregon, and Notre Dame wasn't in the picture, bro, do what you got to do. Notre Dame's a different deal, right? And so that offers you something that those other schools don't have. That has to be fat figured out. There is value to that. There is flat out value to a Notre Dame degree compared to an Oklahoma degree. And anyone that doesn't understand that is you're just not aware of the reality go look at the average income of a notre dame graduate compared to an oklahoma graduate and over the time of the the opportunities that you're going to have the networking that you're going to get all those things that some of it is is you can you can compare it and you can put a dollar amount to it some of it you can't and the kids like like well we'll get into it on signing day but some of the kids in this class well one we've talked about braylon james understands that there is not a dollar amount that i can put on what notre dame is going to do for me beyond just $200,000, $300,000, $5,000 a year, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, Ryan? And so yeah. that's the thing is some kids get that. Some kids understand that. And I promise you Peyton Bowen has had that explained to him. He may make a different choice than, mm-hmm. Bra- than Braylon James and Drake Bowen and Christian Gray and Jeremiah Love and Jaden Greathouse. I'm just like naming kids off the top of my head that I know were offered financial deals this year. Micah Bell. Adon Schuler, all guys that we know were offered financial NIL deals this year. Not all as big as Peyton Bowens, but all for an 18 year old, 17 year old, pretty significant. Yes. And they made it, they went a different way because they understood that there's a lot more to life than just immediate payoff. It's money earned versus money given. Some kids would rather have the money earned because they understand the process getting there is going to make me far more. Uh, in a great position to then build on that, right? And some don't. And that's why, you know, that's my rant on this subject. I just, I don't like when people say, well, if you were in the same situation, you do the same thing. You don't know that. Yeah, you don't know that. So, I mean, anything, it, it, anything to add? Uh, it's tough, man. I try to have empathy with kids in this type of situation because, I mean, look, if someone asked me, would NIL be a conversation for me if I was a recruit? I'd be like, yeah, it would. Like, it would be something I would deeply consider. It would be de- something that would probably be have some hayway, hay st- have some leeway with me. But I, I think that you said it perfectly, Brian. That not everybody is wired the same. Not everybody, mm-hmm. not everybody values the same thing. I mean, we'll have a lot of stories after signing day, and you. I mean, you already mentioned like Braylon James, but like there are guys in this class that have been offered right around what. Peyton Bowen has been offered you know, right. right in that same ballpark that have already decided for Notre Dame and have decided against it. So 
It doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make Peyton Bowen right. It doesn't make him wrong. It just makes a difference, right? And I think that that's the thing that you're pointing to, right, is that everyone's different. Right. So let's not – Right. Let's not just because you may think something yeah. is important or not. I mean, there are, there are values that you have in your life, Ryan, that are different than mine. No doubt. That's what's best for you and your family. This is what's best for me and mine. I'm yeah. not going to say to you, well, if you were in my shoes, Ryan, you would do the same thing and vice versa. I just That's not fair. Some people mm-hmm. will. Some people wouldn't. And that's my only thing is, and so we need to be have, able to have, and I think to Wayne's point, however, uh, mm-hmm. that I that I do agree with is mm-hmm. we need to not assume that because we would do it differently, that kid's wrong because he's not doing it that way. So like the flip side of where I'm coming from with Wayne, and I think this is maybe, you know, this is, this is the positive of what Wayne is saying is, look, you don't know how, you, you don't necessarily know how you would respond in that situation. Mm-hmm. You really don't. No, and and so maybe yeah. be a little less like, here's what I don't like. This kid's a scumbag. This Such kid's immature. Soul. This kid's this. Yeah. This kid's that. No, no, no. We're not going to do that. Slanderous. You, yeah. Right. You don't know what's going on to it. Now, if, can I criticize the kid for being, this is in general, this is not a comment to Peyton Bowen. Can I criticize the kid for being dishonest? Yeah. Do I have a problem with the decision that Dylan Edwards made to go to Colorado? No, I don't. Do I have a problem with the way he did it? Big time. And I think the way he handled his recruitment does say, say to me a lot about who he is and his maturity level. Yes. But, it, but it's not the decision that says that to me. It's the process that led me there. Keon Keeley made a very similar decision to Dylan Edwards, and I have zero problem with how he did it. None. Because he was mm-hmm. honest, forthcoming, and and did do right by Notre Dame by saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to drag you guys out. I'm not going to string this along. This is where I'm going. Right. I'm going a different direction. No problem with that. Love that kid. And, right? and it gave you it gave you months to try to find a replacement if that was your Elijah was Page. Possible. Similar thing. Elijah yep. Page. Let Notre Dame know what's going on. Hey, this is what I'm thinking. These are the concerns I have. I'm I'm really now that we're getting closer to this thing. I'm I'm a little nervous about going away from school. You know, I'm liking this pitch USC has given me. Here's what's going on. And they 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 were prepared for it. And so no problem with that. Much respect, Elijah Page. Best of luck to you, kid, at USC. True, Truly. Mm-hmm. Right? And then there's Dylan Edwards' situation. It's a completely different situation. I don't respect how he went about it. And those are the things that, that you know, you, you can – if you want to criticize the process, sure, but don't say the end result is he took money, so he's a bad kid, he's a douchebag, whatever else. That I can't stand. And perhaps that was at the heart of what Wayne was saying. Yeah. That's my thing. But just don't project onto me – like criticize me for uh, I'm, I'm sitting insulting Peyton Bowen and this kid's immature and he's making a stupid decision. He's doing all these things. Criticize me for that, mm-hmm. right? Man, you're 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 being a little unreasonable here. Like you're you know you're being a, you know, but don't say well if you're in his shoes you do the same thing. You don't you don't know that. Yeah, you don't know that. So that's kind of that's kind of my two cents on that. That's my that's my right. rant for the day, Ryan. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs>
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.